welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Well, today we're wrapping up a three-part series looking at the story of Pentecost. And if you're new with us, or maybe you're new to the Bible, Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early church with transformative power. And there's just so much in this story that we're taking this in three parts. And today we're wrapping up this series. And this is also sort of a vision series because this is a significant moment for our congregation as our state uh, begins to reopen and a lot of everything we're facing in the world. And so I also wanna share some vision along the way in terms of what we feel God is doing and leading us into in this time. Now, we are in the middle of what is probably the most difficult year in in our lifetime, challenge after challenge, crisis after crisis. And and so last week I, I made the point, if ever there was a time when we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring revival and renewal and reconciliation, that that time is now. And so that's something I'm praying for, and I hope you're praying for that as well. But in light of that, today we're continuing uh, this journey through the story of Pentecost, and we're asking this question, what happens when the Spirit of God is poured out? What happens when there's a move of God? And we're looking at that from two angles. And the first is what happened on the day of Pentecost But the second is, in light of that, what might God be doing in our midst in this time? Because God is at work. He is moving among us. So what might he be doing in this moment? And before we look at the text, let me just sort of briefly recap what we've seen so far. And so just prior to his ascension, Jesus gave his disciples an instruction. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he tells them this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And the gift Jesus is referring to here is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which he promised to his disciples. And so fast forward to Acts chapter 2, Jesus has now ascended to the right hand of the Father. And where we drop in here in this story, there's this group of disciples sort of huddled in this room in, in Jerusalem. And it's so amazing because at this point in history, it's like the entire church in the world could fit into a single room. And here they are, they're waiting. And as we've seen for them, this wasn't like a quarantine countdown, rather for them, this was a waiting that was filled with longing. And their longing led them to seeking after God. And in Acts chapter one, we're told that they all join together constantly in prayer. And so what they do in this moment is that they praise that with one voice, they sort of pour their hearts out to God and they contend and they just cry out, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, would you fall upon us? Would you fill us? We need you, God. And so they're seeking God together and and then something extraordinary happens. Verse two, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now, as we saw last week, this wasn't literal wind or literal fire. It said something like the blowing of a violent wind, what seemed to be uh, tongues of fire. And so what we saw last week is what these are. These are sense perceptible manifestations of the presence of God. And, And we also saw that when the Holy Spirit comes, that he brings two things, and he brings more than that, but at least two things. And, and what we focused on last week is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings the presence of God, and he also brings transforming power. He brings the presence of God, and he brings transforming power. And if you weren't with us last week, we encourage you to listen online. But today we're going to see two more things that come when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Two more things And the first is this, fresh movement. The Holy Spirit brings fresh movement. And and what I mean by that is this, the Spirit of God does not come to leave us where we are. The Spirit of God does not come to leave us where we are. And I, I once heard a pastor friend of mine say this, he said, if it doesn't disrupt our lives, it's probably not a move of the Holy Spirit. If it lets us stay we are, it's probably not a move of the Holy Spirit. So let's see how this plays out in this story. So again, the disciples, they're gathered together, they're seeking God, they're praying in unity, they're crying out with one voice, with one heart, and then the Holy Spirit comes in this surprising way, wind and and tongues of fire. And as we've seen, the Holy Spirit didn't show up this way just to give the disciples like a really cool experience so they could like post on Instagram like, wow, amazing worship time tonight, you know, wish you could have been there. No, the Holy Spirit comes to bring fresh movement because the presence of God and the power of God that the disciples experienced that is meant to go out into the world. The presence of God, the power of God, that is a reality that's just way too big to be contained in a single prayer meeting or worship service or building. And and so the Holy Spirit moves them into the streets. And we see in this moment, the Holy Spirit, He brings fresh movement. And one of the things I love about this story is that it's like one big Holy Spirit setup. I mean, think about this. The church at this moment is just this ragtag group of people like the least likely people on planet Earth to change the world. And in their humility, they just simply do what Jesus had instructed them to do, which was to wait and to pray. And I just have to point out, I mean, does this not seem like the worst plan in the world for changing the world? I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, this just seems like so counterintuitive. So, I mean, so so imagine this. So so imagine a a church staff meeting and someone pitches this idea, say, hey, I've got an idea. How about this? how about we shut down all of our programs? How about we shut down all of our services? We stop posting on social media and all we do is this, we simply seek God together until he moves and then when he does, we just take that next step. Now, actually, I like that idea. I think that sounds actually pretty cool. But again, this is so counterintuitive for for, for how we tend to think as human beings. Uh, But in this moment, this is the wisdom of God. And and so again, the early church, they do what Jesus instructed them to do. They wait, they pray, and they persist in prayer. But then again, something extraordinary happens, something like this, the blowing of a violent wind, the tongues of fire, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we're also told that they begin to speak in other languages. And these are languages that they hadn't studied. 
Uh, and, and so as soon as the spirit falls, it's like the disciples, we also see, it's like they're pushed out into the streets. And again, this wasn't some plan that they engineered. Uh, this wasn't a stunt. This wasn't uh, the result of a strategic planning process. No, they, they just simply prayed and waited. And as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like he just moves them out of the building and into the street. And there's this large crowd in town, we're told, for a Jewish festival, the Feast of Weeks. And so the people who are gathered, they hear this, and this crowd starts to gather around wondering what's going on. And in verse 5, it says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And I just want to underscore this phrase, every nation under heaven. That is a significant phrase because God's heart has always been for every nation under heaven. So just think back to the, the, the promise that God gave Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. God said to Abraham, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And we see this theme throughout scripture, but just for example, fast forward to Matthew 20, 28. You'll probably remember the great commission where, where Jesus gives the church its job description. And he says what? Therefore go and make disciples of who? All nations. And, and you see that has always been the heart of God for all nations. And so on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is also bringing fresh unity. And we'll come back to that theme. But verse six says this, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. So, so just imagine this. Imagine there's a group of people in downtown Fullerton at the Fullerton Farmer's Market. Now, I realize you're going to have to use your pre-COVID imagination with me for, for just a moment. So just kind of work with me here. But suppose there's a, a group of people at the downtown farmer's market, and further suppose that this isn't an international group, that this is rather, you can tell by their accent that they are actually from a particular region of the United States. And, and we see that, that, that elsewhere in scripture that the Galileans, that they actually spoke with a distinctive accent. So for example, at Jesus' trial, that, that uh, Peter's accent gave him away as a follower of Jesus. And, and, and so again, suppose there's this group of people uh, in downtown Fullerton at the farmer's market, and they're clearly just from this one particular region, but then something happens. And then all of a sudden, this, this, this group of people, uh, some start, start speaking in, in fluent French, others start speaking in fluent Farsi, others start speaking in fluent Mandarin, others fluent uh, Swahili. And that would, I mean, that would get your attention, right? So, so moved by the Holy Spirit, the disciples sort of stumble out of the place where they were gathering and they stumble into the streets where, by the way, the church is always at her best. And God propels them from the safety of the building right into the heart of the community. And, and they're slightly bewildered, you know, speaking in languages that they never studied. But this crowd gathers around them and, and they're listening. And they're like, we hear them. We hear them. It's like they're speaking to us, and there's something about what they're saying that sounds like the language of our hearts. And, and it says this in verse 11. They say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And suddenly, as the church has shown up in the streets and has spoken up in the streets, what she begins to do is she actually begins to change the climate of the city into an atmosphere of praise. And people begin to speak 
of what God is doing. And I just have to share that, that last uh, Wednesday, I, I experienced one of the most beautiful things in my life. I got to gather with a group of pastor friends of mine uh, and, and representing different churches. Uh, and, and, and we met downtown, uh, actually just in the heart of downtown, right in front of City Hall. And, and we had a time of prayer and worship, and we invited our congregations, and it kind of came together at the last minute, but there were at least 12 different churches represented, and, and churches of various denominational and, and ethnic backgrounds, and it was just such a beautiful time to gather in the heart of our city, to pray, to lament, to sing the praises of God, and it was just a, a powerful moment, and I believe that is a sign both of, of fresh movement and also the fresh unity I see the Holy Spirit bringing in this time. But back to the story, people have gathered and, and they're beginning to say to one another, like, like, what is this? Like, what's going on here? What's happening? What's this commotion? What's going on in the streets? Some are curious, some are open, and, and they're asking, what does this mean? But there are others who are actually skeptical and, and dismissive. And we're told that some even mock what's going on. In verse 13, it says, some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. So what I want you to notice is that this is actually a divided crowd. Sound familiar? But it's in this context of division. Think about this. That it is in this context of division that the apostle Peter, actually, he stands up. Uh, he doesn't retreat. Rather, he stands up and he steps in. Now, previously, if, if you know the story of Peter, he had cowered in fear and ran away when Jesus was arrested. But as the Spirit of God comes upon Peter, he is transformed and he is filled with boldness. He is given insight. And as he looks around, he sees the opportunity before him. And, and, and friends, I, I just want to just say that in this moment, we are actually surrounded by opportunity. And yes, this is a time of challenge and division and crisis, but at the very same time, this moment is a moment filled with opportunity. Just one example. I have never found it so easy to just to get into conversations with people about things that really matter. And I've been having the most amazing conversations with neighbors, and I've actually been meeting more neighbors than ever before because we've all been cooped up so long that everyone wants to go for a walk in the evening, and so I've been meeting many neighbors and getting to wonderful conversations. And I've even had people who really don't have any spiritual background initiate spiritual conversations with me. And it's just been amazing what I feel like God is doing in this moment. And so I just want to say, church, do not miss what God is doing in this moment. He is at work among us. He is at work in our midst. And so Peter, in this moment, he, he sees the opportunity that is before him. And he arises and, and he speaks to the crowd that is gathered. And he speaks into what is happening. And in verse 14, he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And by the way, you just have to love his sense of humor. Verse 16 no, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so he's saying, hey, guys, this is in fulfillment of the long-anticipated promise, and this is the beginning of its fullness. And verse 17, he goes on to say, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Now, I sometimes dream dreams. I'm hoping that doesn't mean I'm an old man, but uh, be that as it may. Verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And so he's saying, hey, God made a promise that, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, upon every tribe and tongue and nation and people group, and God's promise stands. And by the way, just what a beautiful promise. What an amazing God. And so Peter says, look, God made this promise, and he's now fulfilling it before your very eyes. But then he says, hey, hey, this is what you need to know, that this Jesus whom you put to death, and he gets a bit confrontive in his style, and he says, hey, he was an innocent man, and God commended him to you by the signs and wonders that God worked through him in your midst, yet you put him to death. And, and, and this might be a hard word for us, but I just want to take a moment for us to become aware that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, that it was your sins in mind that put Jesus on the cross that it was your sins and mine that condemned an innocent man to die. And that's heavy. But Peter goes on in verse 24, and he says, but God raised him from the dead. And he says that this Jesus is actually the prophesied Messiah of Israel, and therefore the world's true Lord. And so God exalted him to the right hand of the Father, which is the highest position of authority in, in the universe. And he says that he, referring to Jesus, has poured out what you now see and hear. And so after this, everyone looks at Peter and they're like, what should we do, Pete? Like, what what should we do? You're right. It was our offense. And they're like, oh my goodness, what can we do? What must we do to be saved? We've offended the living God. So Peter says in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that in this moment, 3,000 people responded to Peter's invitation, and on that day, the church was born. And so as you can see, this is just such a significant moment, and this is why every year we celebrate what happened on Pentecost. And that's the story of what happened, but I want to circle back now and highlight for us two things that we've seen in this story and and to apply them to our context. And and, and again, the first thing we've seen is that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, He brings fresh movement. He brings fresh movement. Again, the Holy Spirit does not come to leave us where we are, to leave us who we are. And I really believe that in this time that He is moving and that His intention for us is that we would not stay where we are, that we would move with Him, that we would follow where He is leading because we are his followers. And just to apply this to our congregation, for several months, our church has been getting words that that God uh, intends to do a new thing among us. And I don't presume to know the fullness of what all that entails or the fullness of God's intention. But but one thing is clear, it's that in this moment, God is calling us in deeper ways into our cities, into our communities. And like the early church, God is calling us out of our building into the city in a deeper way, that he's bringing fresh movement. And, and, and in this moment when our building has been closed down, it's like he's opened up our cities. And, and it's just amazing. And, and, and to be honest, I'm just so excited about what I'm seeing God do. There's so many stories of the opportunities before us. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but, but I, don't you just long for a move of God 
that is about more than getting just more and more people in a building. Don't, don't you just long for a move of God where, where, where the presence of God fills not only our services, but also our streets and brings deep and lasting transformation, a, a move of God where even the most unlikely people are swept into the kingdom of God and, and where the church recovers her authentic voice and is not beholden to any political allegiance or political party, but speaks into the culture with the wisdom of God and ministers in the power of God. Don't you long to see that? to see our cities transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what I long for. And I just have to say that God is moving, that he is moving in this time. And so the question for us as his people is, will we move with him? Will we follow his lead? Now, if you have sort of a a shrunken view of what the church is, what we've been going through in terms of the church uh, during the season of COVID with buildings being shut down, if you have sort of a shrunken view of what the church is, that this can look like, oh my goodness, like this is the end of the world. But what this story reminds us is that the church is not a building. It is not a worship service, rather the church. What, what, what the church is in its essence is the spirit-filled people of God on mission to love and serve our cities. That's who the church is. Ed Stetzer, who's the director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, he says this. He says, Jesus Church was never meant to be a weekly worship experience, but a unified, commissioned, and sent people living synergistically in the world under the authority of Christ. That's who the church is. And we see that so clearly in this story. Now, of course, as God's people, we love to gather. We love to celebrate Christ. We love to celebrate what he did and all that he's done for us. And, but, but what we see here is that we must never reduce who we are to a, a gathering or, or, or to a building because, again, we are the spirit-filled people of God on a mission to love and serve our cities. And I, I think that one of the things that the Lord is doing in this time is that he's helping us really recover that core identity of who we're called to be. Now, I just have to share this. My wife is reading a biography right now on the life of John Wesley. And if you're not familiar with him, he was a leader in the Church of England in the 18th century. And he's someone that God used to, 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 to really kind of bring revival, uh, really, uh, that was just so impactful that countless lives were impacted. Just tremendous impact. But she read something recently that I had forgotten And it's that his breakthrough moment came when he reluctantly, think about this, this is so interesting, when he reluctantly stopped preaching in churches and instead began preaching outdoors to coal miners. And what's so fascinating is that that's when the breakthrough came. And so I I just, as I look at what God's doing with our congregation in this particular phase of, of where our state is in this reopening process, and I shared a couple weeks ago that in this moment that 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 we are not able to resume uh, in-person worship services, but God has actually led us as we spent time in prayer as a leadership team to actually make uh, uh, available an in-person connection opportunity on Sunday afternoons at a local park. And I just, as I look at that, as we feel like God's led us into the city, I just can't help but wonder what all God has in store. I just, just I feel such a tremendous sense of, of excitement that God is at work. And, and so I just want to invite you to, to share that uh, sense of expectation with me as we journey together with the Lord in this season. Now, there's just so much in, in this story, but just maybe just one more thing I'll, I'll say to apply this to the moment we're in 
as a congregation. Uh, and it's just to say this, that, that although I just want to really just so underscore this, is that although our building has clo- been closed in this season, our church has never been closed. Although our building has been closed, that is the only thing that has been closed in this season. And I just really want you to know that actually uh, our church has never been more open. It's never been more alive. We've never had a greater impact. We've never been more engaged in our cities. Uh, and we've never uh, seen, again, just, just so much uh, mission happening as we have in, in this season. And, and, and our, uh, really our, our, the scope of our, our impact has just really just grown so much in this season. So I just share that just, just to celebrate what God is doing, that He's actually at work in this time. And, and sometime uh, this summer, I want to share some more details with you just so we can celebrate together all the things that God's been doing. So all that to say, just that although our building has been closed, that the church has not been closed, that actually the mission of God has been thriving in this season. And I just sense that God has so much more for us in this time. And, and of course, and I do really want to say that we, we long for the day when we can gather together in person for worship, and we, we know that time will come. We don't know when that is at, at this moment. Uh, we believe that God's uh, called us to be patient in this process, and I shared some of kind of the rationale uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm going to share more uh, in an email update this week if you subscribe to our, our newsletter. But I just want to share all this just to say, hey, let us not miss the opportunities that God is putting before us in this moment. And uh, again, I just so want to emphasize that God is at work. He's moving in our city. He's moving in our region. And I know that when you look at the headlines, you might think like, really? Like, I'm not so sure about that. But as a friend of mine once put it, he said, the enemy always fights the hardest when his back is against the ropes. And he went on to say, but don't be confused. That's not a sign that he's winning. It's a sign he's fighting for his life. I thought that was such a great way of, of really framing it. Because in the midst of all the challenges that we face, that the kingdom is actually near, that it draws ever closer, and it is actually advancing in this time. And and so I just want to encourage us, churches, to stay focused on the move of the Holy Spirit because He is bringing fresh movement in this time. So that's that's the first theme in this story. And just before we close, I just want to highlight again for us the second theme we've seen in this story. And, And it's this theme that really... Uh, that as the Holy Spirit began to move on the day of Pentecost, one of the beautiful things he was up to was bringing fresh unity, fresh unity. And he was doing that on many levels, but specifically, I want to highlight for us how on this day, the Holy Spirit was actually doing a deep work of racial reconciliation. The Holy Spirit was, was doing a deep work of racial reconciliation. And, and I believe that this is one of the things that the Holy Spirit is leading us into in this moment as well. And, and so just I, I want to underscore, because I, I don't want us to miss what the Holy Spirit is doing in this moment. He is with us. He's not just, God's not just sort of watching us from a distance, as Bette Midler sang in the 90s, that no, He is actually here with us and He is at work uh, among us. And as we see here on the, on the day of Pentecost, again, there's this diverse crowd and it's actually, as we've seen, a divided crowd. But what happens on the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to undo the division that was affected through the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament. And, and many nations are now given one spirit and saved through one gospel by our one Lord Jesus Christ and, and given one heart through the power of the new covenant. And this tremendously 
diverse group of people from varied nations are now brought together by the one Holy Spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's just a beautiful moment. And what we can know is that every time we have a moment in history where we are polarized, where we are divided, where there is division and, and conflict and hostility, what God is doing, He's taking all the material, material of our brokenness, all of our fragmentation, all of our division, and He is seeking to bring fresh unity in Him. And the Bible says that we actually get to play a role in that. The Bible actually says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation because we've been reconciled to Jesus Christ through the cross, that He's invited us into His reconciling work. Uh, my colleague Esau McCauley, who's uh, a theologian in our family of churches, and he's also a professor at, at Wheaton College, he recently wrote something in Christianity Today, and, and he said this. He said, I'm convinced that the hope for this country is found not in any election or political party. Votes matter, he says, but neither the Democratic Party nor the Republican Party will save us. What we need, listen to this, he says, what we need is a spirit-filled Christianity big enough to draw different people together. And I just have to say, amen. And I'm hoping at home you're saying, amen. I'm just picturing you <laughs> joining with me and saying that. But as I close, I, I just want to share that, that as our pastoral team ha has been in prayer in this season, we feel that God is really calling us to lean in to this work of reconciliation in this moment. Again, the Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we feel that God is actually calling us to lean into that as a people. And our sense is that this summer is sort of gonna be a time of kind of preparation because some of these conversations around uh, racial reconciliation and, and justice, we realize those can be difficult conversations. And so we wanna take some time this summer to prepare our hearts so that we can be in a space to really listen as we really uh, press in together. And then in the fall, we're praying about some space where we can open up to really have a conversation and learn and grow together uh, in, in this area. And so that might look like a, a small group series. It might look like a sermon series. It might look like a, a book study. We're not uh, sure yet we're praying about that, but I just wanted to kind of put that on your radar that this is something that we, we do believe that God is calling us into in a deeper way in this time. Now, now before we close, I, I just want to leave you with this thought, and it's this. What if at this moment, in the midst of all the crises that we are facing, revival is on the way? What if in the midst, just think about this, just kind of try to hold in your mind just all the things we've been concerned about that we're facing in the world. What if in the midst of all the crises we're facing, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is on the way. Now, I've been praying for revival for years. I know there are many people who've been praying for longer than me, but I heard John Tyson, who's a pastor in New York City that I, I just really respect. I heard him say recently, he said this, and he's someone who has a heart for revival, but he said this recently. He said, and could it be that God is answering our prayers, perhaps in ways that we've overlooked or neglected, that he wants a united, reconciled church to carry revival into the world. Friends, that is what I believe. And, and, and the awesome news is that we get to be a part of that. And I, I just want you to hear this, that it is no accident that you are alive now at this moment in history. God has a plan for you and, and he wants to use you to be part of what he is doing in the world. And, and friends, what could be cooler than that? Nothing. 
And so we're just going to close now, and we're going to transition to a time of worship. But in this time, this is not just a time where we sing a song. Rather, I encourage you to approach this as a time where you just open your heart to the Holy Spirit, and you just cry out, just whatever is that, that deep cry of your heart, just, you just bring that to God, wherever you are today, whatever is on your heart, you just bring that to God right now. So I just want to create a moment just in prayer as we transition now into a time of worship. I just invite you just to kind of join me now and just turn your heart to God. So Lord, we just, we just say that we need you, God. Lord, the challenges we face, God, in our own lives and uh, in the world, God, they're just, they're way too great for us. We need you, Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you rest upon us? Would you fill us? So let's just stay, friends, in this posture of openness as we turn now to worship. Let's worship together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever 